Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, coming to you on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. We are one day closer to the weekend, one day closer to the road SEC opener for the Bulldogs. Last weekend's home game was the SEC opener. We'll take the SEC road this weekend as we go to Auburn. Has not been a lot of fun for us over the years over at Auburn. Just hadn't been. That's the reality of it. We've taken some really good teams over there and come home with loss, and there have been some other years we've gone over there and, uh, and, and surprised some people. This is a good Auburn team. Make no mistake about it. Mississippi State's going to have to play their best game of the year so far to go win this ball game. I thought Mississippi State was the better team last weekend against Kentucky. I thought Mississippi State was a better team against Kansas State. But due to some mistakes on Mississippi State's part, those teams were kind of able to stay in the game a little bit. And one of the things I said last year, I really thought that there was a disparity in the talent level between Mississippi State and Kentucky. I think that's fair. I think after seeing them play in person over the weekend, many of you will likely agree, Mississippi State looked to be the more talented team. And again, I thought Joe really called a great game. Thought Garrett Schrader responded and played a great game. Thought the Mississippi State offensive line had a great game. Going to need to duplicate that and then reduce some mistakes this weekend in order to go win a ball game on the road against Auburn, which will be the most difficult defense Mississippi State has faced this year, without question. Now, Auburn is not the rushing team that they would like to be. That has kind of been their identity, and, I, and as I've said with you guys many times, one of the things about Gus Malzahn that is uh, that is a bit overlooked is he's a lot like Dan Mullen in this respect. They spread you out and then kind of utilize the power running game. That That's the whole point of it. Yeah, they spread you out and have you defend the width of the field, but what they really want to do is get numbers that are advantageous to the offense in the box. And then they get behind that big offensive line, and they're, they're hoping that Whitlow can kind of uh, win a game for them. I've told you guys for months, I don't think this is a good matchup for Mississippi State because it's kind of a strength on weakness type deal. Our offensive line, very strong. Their defensive front, very strong. We're going to win some. They're going to win some. Our defensive front against their offensive line, their offensive line, not great. But I think we could all say probably a little more experienced than what we're putting on the field on the Mississippi State defensive front. This is where I expect the game to be won or lost for Mississippi State. If State can get some stops against the Auburn running game, you've got an opportunity to stay in this ballgame. State's got to survive the first quarter. You absolutely have to survive the first quarter. There's no, there's no doubt about it. Can't get behind and start chasing the game here and get one-dimensional on offense. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Absolutely love Bulldog Burger Company. 
It is the Robertson Family Restaurant of Choice. Anytime we say, hey, listen, kids, we're going to go out to eat, where would you like to go? Bulldog Burger is, without a doubt, the first choice. We enjoy the spring rolls. We enjoy the chicken wings. We enjoy the fried pickles. And sometimes, you know what? We like the appetizers so much, we get two appetizers because we enjoy it. You only live once. Treat yourself to a great restaurant-quality hamburger at Bulldog Burger Company. Uh, the Pimentology Ad Bacon will probably always be the classic boneyard burger for me. Love that place. Love that burger. But I'm still pretty high on the Lauren right now. But if you don't want a hamburger, maybe you don't want to eat that heavy, Mom. Maybe you're saying, you know what? I'll let the kids have that. I'll let Dad have the burger. I'm going to be a little more health conscious. You can have the Kale State Salad. There's so many options to choose from there. You can get a hamburger with bun, no bun, gluten-free bun, whatever you'd like. Now we're two locations to serve you, Starkville and Tupelo. Encourage you to get out and go let them make mom's night off. One to remember, Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starkville and now Tupelo where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. So let's get into a couple things. Since we have been together, we have visited with Joe Moorhead. We have visited with some offensive players, and I'm going to take you through some of that today. The Monday presser with Joe, not a lot learned. You know, it's one of those things where you look at it and say, okay, well, you know, uh, the injury report still rather limited. You know, said everybody was going to try to give it a go on Tuesday, said that Tommy Stevens would practice in some capacity, and that's really kind of been the story the last few weeks. It's the health of one Tommy Stevens. And so I'm, I'm not going to sit here and offer you any predictions based on what Joe had to say on Monday. I will tell you, if I had to call it today, and I shared this on social media, if I had to call it today, I would say Garrett Schrader is likely the starter against Auburn. I think due to his health and the confidence that he has begun to build, that he is probably gives you the best chance to win on Saturday. I just don't think with that defensive front, with Derek Brown, those guys are so active. I don't think you send Tommy Stevens out there unless he's right at 100%. Now, getting him to 100%, let's say Garrett Schrader plays this week and you hold Tommy out, then you've got the bye week, and all of a sudden you've had, you know, three weeks, basically three and a half games. Pardon me. Yeah, three, yeah, because you think about the half of the second half of the Southern Miss game. Tommy Stevens has had plenty of time to get better. And when you look at it from his point of view, that's, you know he, he said last night that he's not going to buy into this whole woe is me type stuff. But he is a guy that has battled and battled and battled injuries most of his career. And then now he gets an opportunity to start. And then now he's on the sidelines watching somebody else play. Watching a guy that is beginning to really find favor with the Mississippi State fan base and Garrett Schrader. And listen, Garrett's got a long way to go, okay? That's the reality of things. And we know this, he's a true freshman, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sitting here reinventing the wheel. But the guy won SEC Freshman of the Week last week and save a couple of passes, played about as well as you could play. Put Mississippi State in a situation we should have been able to blow out Kentucky. You guys know that I'm not a big fan of Kentucky, and it's not that I dislike them. It's just that I get so sick and tired every year of hearing about how this is going to be the year. And last year, they, they, they hit the end of a talent cycle, and they, they put a good year together, and we go up there and lay an egg. And then all I've heard is how great Kentucky is and how bad Mississippi State is, despite the fact that we've won 10 of the last 13 in the series. Sometimes I think some of my SEC brethren in the media can't read a media guide. They go off these talking points and Facebook media and that sort of stuff. Mississippi State is a better football program and a better football team than the University of Kentucky is, and it's been that way for a while. But Joe didn't give us a lot of meat on Monday to kind of make you feel, okay, what's going to happen with this quarterback situation? The truth of the matter is I don't think Joe knows for sure. I know Tommy wants to play. I know Garrett's willing to play. Garrett wants to play. He is a guy that sometimes difficult to read. Garrett's one of those guys that uh, you know didn't like to do a lot of media during the recruiting process. He does media with us, but he gives a lot of short answers. You know, Tommy's a guy that's really polished. Okay, he's a guy that understands the importance of doing the media. He understands he's kind of the voice of the team, one of the leadership uh, members. And so he gets out there and he talks. Garrett is a is a I won't say that he's a reverend. It's just that he you know he just it's not a big deal to him. 
he'll go out there and answer your questions, but you know he, he's not going to give you a whole lot. And uh, he's just one of those guys that appears to just be really, really dialed back emotionally. You just they, even when he scores, like you don't you don't see a lot of fire from him, even when we do something great. And to play that position, you kind of need some of that. You need you need that. And what I mean by that is you need to be even killed. You can't get too high. You can't get too low. But uh, Garrett looks like he's having fun out there, but he never looks to be that guy that that, that just exhausts emotion irreverently. If you understand what I'm saying, it's just everything everything he does is about the the team and the game. But even in the media room, you know, he's just you know, yeah, it was good. You know, we had a good time. It was fun. He just doesn't give you a whole lot, and I think that's the kind of quarterback you need in this offensive system because there there it is going to be sometimes a high risk limited reward proposition throwing the deep ball, and that is something he will get better at. It's one of the things people talked about was that wobbler that he threw out to Dedrick Thomas, arguably one of the worst passes he threw all day. He is going to get better at spending the football as he gets more reps with a college coach watching. You know, people tend to forget that uh, his junior year, he tore his labrum, had labrum surgery postseason, and then began his rehabilitation and then didn't really get cleared to throw again until the July before his senior year. And even then, you know, he was very, very limited what he could do. He couldn't do any upper body lifting. You know, he was very, very limited. So what you're seeing now from Garrett Schrader is a, a, a little bit, I, I would say, re- reserved from what you would expect to see from him next year, not just because of the fact that he's going to be a year more experienced. He's going to be healthier. At least that's the hope anyway. But he should be fully recovered from that labor. And I'm sure he'll tell you right now, I'm good, I'm 100%. The reality of that situation is, no, he's not. Now, he may not be out there uh, running the risk of uh, reoccurrence with that injury, but he is still building strength in his throwing arm and his shoulder, the whole mechanism there, all his mechanics. That is something he is still working through. And it is incredible the difference in his throwing mechanics in this fall compared to what they were in the spring. There were times in the spring watching him throw and a lot of it, I think, is because he kind of had to gear up to kind of push the ball downfield. If things kind of fell apart mechanically, and he was real herky-jerky with that. He still got a little bit of that, as they say, a little hitch in the giddy-up. Still a little bit of that. But it's he's come a long way since what he had in the spring. And that's one of the reasons I wish we could talk more to Andrew Briner, because uh, mechanically they have cleaned some things up with him. And that is only going to get better. But... That's the question everybody always texts is, hey, Steve, is, is Tommy going to start Saturday? I think now, after what we have seen the last three weeks from Garrett Schrader, I think now everybody, including Joe Moorhead, probably looks at that quarterback situation and thinks, you know what, okay, okay we don't have to rush Tommy along. I do believe Tommy gives us the best chance to win the bigger games in the SEC. And what I mean by that is I believe that he makes us a little more multiple as an offense. I don't know at this point if Garrett Schrader is accomplished enough as a passer to back those safeties off against the LSUs, the Alabamas, the Texas A&Ms of the world. I think those guys will come in and kind of dare us to throw and we'll see some things similar to what we saw last year defensively when Nick Fitzgerald was the quarterback in Mississippi State. Even though I think Garrett is probably at this point a little farther along in his development as a passer because Garrett was more of a dual-threat guy. Nick, and I love Nick, uh, Nick was a basically an option-style quarterback running the wing tee in high school. They didn't throw it much at all. I think he threw, what, 72 passes you know, as a senior. They just don't throw it a lot. And so Garrett's ahead in that respect, but I think because of the fact, because he is somewhat limited as a passer right now, that we will see some of those same defensive challenges we saw a year ago against some of those elite defenses. And, and LSU's got some chinks in armor on, on defense, but with, with the way they're scoring, you know, they're probably willing to live with some of that. But I think with Tommy in the ball game, he will because he has the ability to hit those balls down the field. Those safeties have to respect that. They have to play. Uh, too high safety, you know, 20 yards off the ball, and then all of a sudden that opens up running lanes for Colin Hill. It also gives your offensive line really a chance to work. It keeps those guys off the quarterback on those third and um, you know, third and long passing plays because of the fact that, you know, that they can't hide as much. And so 
that's what I, I think Tommy long-term gives you a better chance to win those ball games. I do believe that Garrett Schrader is the future of his program. And I think as he goes in the future, that's how we're going to go. And one of the things, when Joe Moorhead got here, Joe offered Garrett Schrader a quarterback scholarship. The very first offer that Joe made as your head football coach was to Garrett Schrader. And there was a lot of discussion back then because he was already a lean to Penn State because he had a great relationship with Joe Moorhead. People said, okay, well, now that he's got an offer from Mississippi State, State's in the ballgame. The kid came really, really close to committing to South Carolina. I mean, really close. There was a lot of discussion that he was going to commit up there on an unofficial visit. And Mississippi State worked with him and said, hey, listen, let's get you down here one more time before you do anything. Briner and Moorhead get Garrett and his dad back on campus. They have the, have the big meeting. And basically, Joe closed it out. Joseph said, listen, this, you're our guy. We want you to be here. You're my guy at Penn State. You're my guy here. I want you to be the quarterback in my offense. And Garrett jumps on it. Now, to hear the South Carolina version of things, they'll tell you that Ryan Helensky was their guy all along. Well, that's not what they were telling Garrett Schrader. Not to mention the fact that our South Carolina uh, peers were all expecting Garrett to commit to them. And that's not to say Helensky's a bad quarterback. I think you boil down to probably an either-or situation. Both of those guys are very talented prospects. But Garrett Schrader was South Carolina's guy, too. Don't don't let anybody you know misconstrue the the, the the facts here. They wanted him, and Joe got him, and then they took Kalinsky. And, and I'll be honest with you, I think both those guys are going to have good careers. I think there are more pieces around to support Garrett Schrader here at Mississippi State. Not to mention, I think Joe Moorhead will be here to do uh, Schrader's career. But Garrett comes in because he was the right fit. And I think he felt like a priority to Mississippi State. Felt like a priority to Jim Moorhead. Because let's be honest, even though State had offered Schrader, you understand, you know, it's kind of one of those early offers. But Garrett was a priority to Jim Moorhead. And so Joe goes and gets his guy. And now you're beginning to see kind of what Joe has as a vision for this offense. And I think Tommy showed us that some too. But Tommy's not the plus runner that Schrader is. Now, I don't think Garrett could beat Nick Fitzgerald in a foot race. But I think that he is the same type of decisive runner. When it's time to go, he, he will take it and go. Nick sometimes might have been, may have erred a little bit in that direction. So, you know what, I'm going I'm to go run this. You know, I'm, I'm maybe out of the flow of the ball game. Sometimes Nick maybe tried to do a little too much with his legs. But the bottom line is, I think he brings that Nick Fitzgerald threat as a runner. And I think Tommy runs just enough to keep you honest. But I believe, you know, if, if, I, if I'm thinking long-term about this season, I'm thinking, you know what, Tommy Stevens, I think, gives us the best chance to win some of these more difficult ball games, And that's not a slight at Garrett. It's just a true freshman, and I think it's going to be a different deal this weekend for him. You don't have the cowbells clanging their approval when you do something great. It's going to be a little different deal going over to Jordan Air Stadium, for sure. But I think... You get to this week, you get Tommy healthy, you bring him back and, and give him the Tennessee game to get better, and I still expect State to go win that ball game. And then you're able to preserve the red shirt for Garrett Schrader. I think that's the hope. I think long-term when you look at that, you know, am I willing to trade this season for Garrett Schrader's red shirt senior season? And the answer to that question is, you know, No. Because I believe that I, I don't know that Garrett or Tommy gets you one more win of the other. I think we're going to win seven, five, eight games, seven, five, or eight and four. I think that's going to be the record. You know, we got to go up, probably upset somebody, or win one of these toss ups to get to eight and four. But I believe we're going to be a good bowl team, no matter who the quarterback is. And so when I begin to look long term and think, okay, let's think about where we're going to be in 2022, where we're going to be in 2023. You know, the fact that we could have a quarterback with, uh, you know, three and a half years worth of experience under its belt, I think that is advantageous for Mississippi State. You know, maybe I'm wrong, but that's kind of how I see it. I begin to think, what, what am I willing to trade? Am I willing to trade another full year of eligibility for this season? 
And, and the answer to me is it's simple, and that's no. And other people are saying, hey, we know Garrett's going to be the starter next year. Let's go ahead and get him ready. Garrett's going to be the starter next year regardless of how many games he plays this year. I think that's apparent. But those are some difficult decisions that Joe Moorhead's going to have to make. And so I think you have to look at the bigger picture. Now, if Garrett Schrader goes to Auburn this weekend and wins the ball game, <laughs> uh, how, how do you not stick with the kid? But if you look ahead at this thing, and of course you've got to go play the ball games, but if we look at this thing and, and, and we say, hey, we're, we're going to be a 7-5, 8-4 team, regardless, to, to me there's, there's not, not a difficult decision to make. But again, if he beats Auburn, then all bets are off. All bets are off. We spoke with uh, Colin Hill last night. Not a lot to say. Colin's one of those kind of guys, too, comes to the media room, handles his business, goes about himself. He just, you know, even when he was a recruit, he just did, he didn't do a lot of media stuff. He enjoyed you coming to the ball game, enjoyed you taking his picture and getting his highlight videos, but he's, he's never been a guy that really was about himself. You know, just even in high school. Just wasn't one of those guys that uh, wanted all the attention on himself. He wanted the team to do well. And every time I saw him, I saw him do the little things. I saw him not – there are a lot of high school running backs that kind of pout when they don't have the football. They don't carry out their fakes. They don't, you know, they don't handle their other assignments away from the football. Colin did those things. That's why it was no surprise that he played a lot as a true freshman. And you kind of look at how things – and I asked him last night about that. You know, the fr- freshman year, it seemed like all we ever ran with him was inside zone. And then last year we mixed in a little bit more. He's able to do a little bit more. He's developed into one of the great players, one of the better players in our league. And I think that's the that's the deal now, is Colin Hill has gone from a promising freshman to the major cog of the Mississippi State offense. Job one for every defensive coordinator Mississippi State is going to, uh, to face this year is what do you do to stop eight? What do you do? Joe Moorhead's charge is what do you do to get eight going? Because he's a superstar. And I don't know if you watched the SEC Insider last night. You probably should have. Behind the scenes against Kentucky, you know, when Joe was over there grabbing Kyle on after that touchdown and telling him that's how an All-American plays. You know, Kyle Hill is a guy that we all were excited about when he committed. And you recall that was the Cam Akers year. Cam Akers had a lot of hype. And uh, listen, quality player. He was a guy that had not played running back. He was just an athlete playing quarterback at Clinton High School. Any other year, Colin Hill is the number one running back in Mississippi. You recall Colin Hill was the MVP of the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game for the team Mississippi, not Cam Akers. Cam Akers has had some big years at Florida State, but they haven't been the Florida State of old. But you're beginning to see Colin Hill show and demonstrate the potential that we all saw in him coming out of Columbus High School. And it's one of those things, too, where you kind of benefit from the fact that you got a guy that right here, right down the road, right down the road from us. But Colin is becoming a star, not just in Starkville, but in the Southeastern Conference. Everybody that I talk to in the media around the, the region, the first thing they bring up, after they get through, hey, who's going to start a quarterback this weekend is Colin Hill. They don't talk defense. They're not talking about wide receivers. They're not talking about offensive line play. They're talking about Colin Hill because everybody recognizes him as a real threat. He has run over, through, and around everybody in the, in, on the schedule this year. His biggest test to date will come against Auburn. Now, people forget Colin Hill had a really big game against Auburn last year. You know, looking at last year's numbers, and uh, people remember the fact we won the ball game and, and really limited Auburn offensively to just three field goals. Uh, the state defensively did a really good job against the run last year, uh, holding Booby Whitlow to, to 88 yards and a long of 41. So when you begin to back that out, you can see the, you know, the, the average, the, the, the run, the yards per carry average is, is really low. They just, they just simply had a tough time. Uh, with the Mississippi State defense. Now, it's a different day and time now, but Mississippi State threw for 69 yards. I know that's a nice total, but 69 yards last year against Auburn. That's it. That's all we did. But we ran for 349 yards 
Nick Fitzgerald ran for 195. Kylan Hill for 126. So that defensive front got embarrassed last year. Gus Malzahn said as much earlier this week that they were embarrassed. That they should be able to uh, to come in with a chip on their shoulder for sure and be excited about playing a football game. And I hope you didn't hear any of that racket there. I apologize if you did. But the bottom line is Mississippi State is going to face an angry Auburn team that is undefeated at home that feels like they were embarrassed last year. Kylan Hill is going to need to be a big part of things. Tate's going to need to find a way to get going early and survive that first quarter. And here's one of the things people don't – again, it's kind of like that Kentucky narrative. And if you look at this Auburn thing too, people forget, you know, Mississippi State has won three of the last five and four of the last seven in the series dating back to 2012. So four of the last seven. So it's been pretty even. What The, the difference is, is the games that they have won – in recent years, have been absolute blowouts. Our last trip to Auburn, we get beat 49 to 10. 49 to 10. The year before, they came to Mississippi State in 2016, beat us 38-14. You know, and so those are what we remember. We have a tendency to forget the fact that we've uh, we've won our share as of late. Everybody remembers the 2014 game. We went to number one in the country uh, after that game. 2015, Dak and Gabe Miles go over to the Plains. We win that ball game 17-9. You and Auburn was starting a, a freshman quarterback. We win the ball game. Didn't play exceptionally well, but we won the ball game. Here's the, the, the deal about Mississippi State and Auburn. If you go back and look at the years that we have won in recent years, it has been because of the fact that we have been able to stop the run. We have been able to run the football and stop the run. In the games that they have destroyed us, they've been able to run the football. We haven't been able to stop the run. That's the reality of the situation. The uh, the series is lopsided long-term, 63-27, to all-time that they've really had the better of us. But in recent years, State's done a good job. State's been able to kind of hang in there. And the winner of this game usually has a really big year. I want to remind you folks who like to have a little skin in the game. I know after a hard week of work, sometimes it's fun just to get home and sit down and watch a little football. I was able to do some of that last weekend and uh, kind of just veg in front of the television and enjoy some, some downtime and just enjoy some, some football. Uh, Game-running touchdowns, two-minute drives, running backs racing down the sidelines, nobody out there to get them. There's nothing like NFL football. There's no better way to make the games even more exciting Maybe to maybe put something on the game. So if you're one of those folks, go to my friends at mybookie.ag. Nobody's going to give you more ways to win than they do. My bookie has the fastest payouts and better lines than other sports books. Don't forget where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. Mybookie.ag is the best in the business. You should give them an opportunity to serve you. They've been a longtime sponsor of the Boneyard. had several Boneyard listeners that have had good experiences, so do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this year, bet with my bookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, maybe try parlay. If all your picks come through, you can multiply your winnings. No matter how you bet, NFL season's the best time of year. I think we can all agree with there. Join now. My bookie will double your first deposit. Boneyard listeners can use promo code BONEYARD, B-O-N-E-Y-A-R-D, to activate that offer. That's promo code BONEYARD, B-O-N-E-Y-A-R-D. Visit mybookie.ag today. Again, Join now. My bookie will double your first deposit. It's free money. You play. You win. You get paid. All right. So let's uh, let's get in a couple other things here before we get uh, get too too off in the weeds. I guess you could say uh, we get defensive players tonight, and so I'm eager to hear what they have to say about this Auburn running game because if you look at the Auburn numbers. And I encourage you to do this because sometimes these people, we get caught up in everything and say, well, you know, you know, Steve, here's the deal. Uh, I heard that they're really good at this. And let me tell you, Booby Whitlow is one of my favorite backs in the conference. I don't think that he has reached his full potential. I, I think he's going to be a star, and, and I'm a big fan of Bo Nix. I think both of those guys are going to grow up together here over the next couple of years, and I think they're going to be a very formidable team. They're 4-0 now, and I think they're going to only, only get better offensively as Knicks gets more comfortable reading coverages and things like that. And he Listen, he's Pat Knicks' son. He's been growing to play quarterback his entire life. But Booby Whitlow is due for a big game. 
He's one of those guys that uh, he's had some big numbers, but he's just he, I'm waiting for him to have that big monster game, and I hope it doesn't happen against us. He's averaging right at five yards a carry, 408 yards on 82 attempts. It's, it's always a little more difficult in, in uh, SEC play. But last year, uh, he, he ran for 787, and of course that's over the course of a season. But through four games, he's already at 408. Already at 408. Not a great receiver out of the backfield. You know, they'll throw it to him as a check down every now and again, but that's, just, that's not his game. He's just a banger. He's a guy that's going to line up and going to run right at you. Very, very difficult guy to corral. Difficult guy to get on the ground. And with our tackle on his shoes, this could be a real issue for us. Now, last weekend, they had trouble getting them going. 18 carries, 67 yards, and one touchdown with a long of nine. That's not a very good stat line. He did get a big game earlier this year against Oregon, and we'll just kind of run the numbers here. 24 carries for 110 yards against Oregon. 23 carries for 96 against Tulane and a, and a touchdown. Had a long of 24 in that ball game. Kent State, 55-16 to 16 winners for Auburn. 17 carries for 135 yards. You see he has really done well against some of these lesser teams and then you go back to Oregon. Oregon was the number 11 team in the country when they played them. But against A&M on the road, things were a little different. They, they will look to get him going, and I'm sure when they look at that, the youth on the interior defensive line of Mississippi State are thinking, okay, here's a chance for us to kind of run between the tackles and make some things happen. This is why the Mississippi State linebackers have got to have arguably their best game of the year so far. You're going to see some similar concepts in what you saw with Kansas State. However... They're going to, there's going to be a lot more eye candy, a lot more disguise with this Auburn scheme. It's kind of what they do. They do a lot of misdirection. They love to run jet sweeps, that sort of stuff. They want to get your linebackers in a in a conflicted state. They want to put them in a decision-making process. But a lot of what they do is pretty basic run-type stuff. They just disguise it much differently. But I think we all know that you know, Malzahn is pretty much coaching for his job. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the uh, the latter years of Houston out at Arkansas. It seems like that he was either competing for the West or, or you know competing for his job every single year. And that's kind of how it, it seems like Gus has kind of worn out his welcome summit at Auburn. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that you know he just happens to be paired up against one of the greatest dynasties in college football history. When you see what Nick Saban in Alabama has done, you know, listen – as much as how much fun it is, I mean, you know, going to a New Year's Six Bowl game or that kind of stuff, it, it kind of pales in comparison no matter how much fun you've had as an Auburn fan when you see Alabama rack it up national championships. Eight and four is not going to get it done at Auburn. It's just the reality of the situation. You know, if Alabama's an eight and four team and you're winning an Iron Bowl every other year, then you probably have some currency to fall back on. You don't have that right now. And so there's a lot of pressure on Auburn, and especially after – this is a ball game, too, that you and I both know. The Auburn coaches circled on this schedule and said, you know what, Mississippi State kicked our tails last year. And just like I said last week, Joe Moorhead shouldn't have to have any big motivational speeches to get the boys up to play Kentucky. Same goes for Auburn this week. They shouldn't have to look – you know, they could just put on last year's highlight video and watch Mississippi State run all over them. Again, Mississippi State 69 yards passing last year. And honestly, I think we might prove to be a better running team at the end of the year than we were last year because of the fact that we're going to be a little more multiple. We're going to be able to throw the football down the field and open some things up. And I think as a result, you're, that's why Colin Hill leads the SEC in rushing. Colin Hill, through four games, has 551 yards. He was 90 yards ahead of Booby Whitlow last week. He's 143 yards ahead of him now. So this will be an interesting matchup, to say the least. You're going to see two of the league's best running backs. And, and I've heard some people say, well, Steve, listen, could Colin Hill play his way into being a Heisman candidate? Well, you know, I think you know the guy that leads the SEC in rushing will, will arguably be, be in the discussion. But I think when you look at the quarterbacks, you, know, you look at Tua, you look at Jalen Hurts, uh, you look at Joe Burrow, there's some great quarterbacks in the league that are turning out some huge numbers. Uh, it, it's going to be difficult. But I think Colin Hill certainly has put himself in in position where he could be get some All-American consideration and certainly some NFL drafts consideration. But let's not get the cart before the horse. We're only four games into the season. 
But as I mentioned to you guys here a couple weeks ago on the show, we have not had a lot of 1,000-yard rushers in our school's history. In three, four games, we've got a guy with 551. Now, the sledding's going to get a lot more difficult here in the Southeastern Conference. The holes are going to close quicker. The tacklers are going to be more sure-handed. It's going to be difficult to run away from people. But I honestly don't believe Colin Hill has had his best game to date. I, I think that there is some great football left in Colin Hill, and I think he'll tell you the same. He's played exceptionally well. And, and I read yesterday that, that he leads the nation and uh, plays uh, runs over 10 yards. I expect that to continue. I don't know that it continues this week, but I believe that Colin Hill is Mississippi State's best weapon against that Auburn front. That Auburn secondary is a little leaky. So if you can make some plays down the field and open up some running lanes for Colin, I think you shorten the game for one. Because I think that, I think they want to run the football. I don't think they want to put the game in Bo Nix's hands. I think Bob Shoup's got to come up with a game plan and really get some pressure on him because Nick is a little bit like Gary Schrader in respect, too, that he can make you pay some with his feet. He's a great athlete. But ultimately, this ball game is going to boil down to Mississippi State's ability to slow down the Auburn running game. They want to run the football. That is their identity. They haven't been able to do it as much as of late. But that's what they want to do. They want to line up and get physical. And if you, go, if you guys remember that 2016 trip, you know, they have a running back go down to injury, and the next thing they just go put another one in there and just you know, pile drive us into the ground. Still have uh, nightmares about that. Looking around the league here, number three running back in the SEC, Rakeem Boyd, Arkansas, 394. Share with you guys earlier this week, man, I, that Chad Morris thing, I, I don't see that ending well. Wasn't a big fan of the hire in the first place, but uh, – you know, they've got some players they're going to be losing at the end of this year. And you begin to look at next year. I mean, they're they're staring back-to-back 0-8 years in the face. And then they're losing much of their leadership this year. Doesn't look good for next year. Number four running back in the league is DeAndre Swift from Georgia. I think many people expected him to be the lead dog. Maybe he, he proves to be by the end of the year. Uh, Joe Burrow leads the SEC with 1,520 passing yards. Hold your hand up if you saw that coming. Uh, my hand is not up. LSU offensively really, really scary. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa, 1,300 yards. And uh, it's really been, you know, kind of a workman-type effort. They have not been challenged in any respect. I don't think they will be this weekend. I know many of you are looking forward to seeing Ole Miss and Alabama play because you, you know, you're expecting a, you know, 56-10 type ball game. That's what I expect too. I, I don't even think two has been stressed yet. That LSU Alabama game is uh, kind of shaping up to be, you know, one for the ages. Kellen Mond, believe it or not, uh, is third in the league with 1,082 yards passing. Did not have a good week against Auburn last week. Kelly Bryant right there behind him uh, with 1,025. Your Mississippi State passing situation, much different because of the fact that you had a couple different quarterbacks. We hadn't thrown it around a whole lot. Mississippi State passing offense near the bottom of the league right now because we're running the football up more. Hopefully that changes. Uh, Receiving yards, Jerry, Judy, Probably got it's uh, going to get everybody's consideration for Blitnikoff, but uh, Jamar Chase added to the list out of LSU. That's the thing when you look at this LSU offense. It's one thing to have the quarterback, but man, those young receivers have kind of grown up in, in, in front of us. Outstanding group there. They're going to present a lot of challenges. Looking at the defensive side of the football here, we have not really rushed the passer exceptionally well. Last weekend we did a better job. We haven't been able to finish, uh, you know, quite as well as I, I think many of us had hoped. Tackling is still a bit of an issue. I think we can all agree there. But uh, pass rush has got to get better. Brian Cole still right there uh, with the, the two sacks. Nobody's really, you know, taken off, and I guess, and taking the lead uh, and within, within the league. Uh, uh, Javon Kenlaw out of uh, South Carolina with four sacks leads the SEC, tied with Jonathan Greenard of Florida with four. And then it gets a little deeper, and you got a lot of guys in there with three and two. But, uh, you know, 
Brian Colton did not have a sack last week, but uh, that's you know we got some some hurries last week. We just really haven't been able to get quarterbacks on the ground with regularity. Now, that's one of the things last year we did a great job of. Now looking at tackles, we got to get better here too. And as even I thought as a team we were better last week, but the bottom line is is that we we had some real issues at key moments getting guys on the ground. Jaquarius Landrews is now third in the SEC with 31 tackles, leads the Mississippi State team, only behind Jacob Phillips of LSU and Kale Garrett of, of Mizzou. Both of those guys play linebacker. And uh, Jaquarius Landrews, of course, is the uh, strong safety for Mississippi State, so we do walk him up to the box a lot. Also has four pass deflections. And Jaquarius Landrews playing exceptionally well. Could play better. Could play better. Tied for fourth in the league is Errol Thompson, 30 tackles, right there, right there, right in the meaty part of the curve there. But if you look, most of the guys in the top 10 are linebackers. Tied for sixth in the league, Bulldog free safety C.J. Morgan with 28 tackles. And again, some room to grow there for him. You know, so Leo Lewis is there at eight, 26 tackles. So you have some guys out here making plays. All that being said, we have not been a great tackling football team. Tackled well at times, but not consistently. This is one of those weeks where we're going to have to tackle better than we have all year. It's going to be a much more physical running attack. Linebackers are going to have to remain engaged. Going to have to get out there and, and get guys on the ground. Just like we saw last week, you know, Brian Cole missed a tackle on that, on that big fourth down play. And there's enough of that to go around. It's not like Brian Cole's only got to miss a tackle. Cam Dancer missed a couple tackles last week, and he's been out some. But the bottom line is, this is one of the most fundamental elements of football. And yes, you're, the, the, the moving targets are bigger, faster, stronger. But this is the SEC. You can't give people extra yards. I want to remind you guys, too, that Campus Bookmart is a Starkvillian institution. Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the whole crew there, the lovely, talented Susie, the whole group, will treat you like family because you are family. It's as simple as that. Campus Bookmart. Many of you bought your textbooks there when you were students here. Now it's time to outfit your family, your home, your RV, your office, your yard, whatever you have. You can put something maroon and white on it. You can peruse their fine selections at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Barnyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That is a promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. It, the weather is going to get cooler, trust me, I think. You're going to need some long sleeve stuff. You're going to need some sweatshirts. You're going to need some hoodies. You can grab all that right there at Campus Bookmark. Great people, great selection. Mississippi State folks carrying Bulldog merchandise for Bulldogs. You be sure you go by there and check those people out. So before we get out of here, a couple more things I want to talk about before we go. When I think about where we are right now as a football team, a lot of people will say, well, you know, Steve, is, is Joe the guy? Is this going on or whatever? Uh, I am a believer in Joe Moorhead. And I know there are other people out there that, that uh, the, we get on social media and we get on message boards and we, and we read these comments at times from people and it kind of matches what we think. And then there becomes this collective negative think tank. You know, everybody's thinking, okay, well, well, we want to out, out negative each other, you know. But here's the reality of things. If you go back and you look at how Mississippi State called the game offensively against Kentucky, we stayed within Garrett Schrader's skill set. We didn't ask him to do anything that he wasn't qualified to do. We called plays that really kind of exemplified his strength. We found a way to get Kylan Hill touches. And that was one of the things I thought was kind of funny is, you know, Kylan, that Joe said uh, Saturday is that, you know, hey, people wanted us to feed eight. We're feeding eight, and we are. But we're not feeding eight because there was some social media outcry. We're feeding eight because he has developed to the point that he has become the bell cow of our offense. And because of the fact that we've got a couple quarterbacks, you know, that are capable of hurting you down the field, it's opening up some things for him. That is a byproduct of the offense. The bottom line is we're beginning to kind of settle in. And as Joe said on the uh, SEC Insider yesterday. So, you know, we're kind of going from the what's to kind of understanding the why. You know, it's not just do, we're not, we're not thinking, okay, this is what I have to do. Now we kind of understand our role within the offense. We kind of understand how it all kind of meshes together. And that's a big part of things. 
When guys don't have to guess, they can simply play. They can react. And I think that's what we're seeing. Wide receiver play, pretty good last week. Only had the one bad week, but it's incredible how quickly we get negative again. Michael Johnson's coming here and did a great job. He's held these guys accountable. He's pushed them to get better. He's taught them to get better. He has given them some skills. And if you watched the thing last night, Jim Moore had told Stephen Gidry, hey, really proud of your approach. You're doing everything as a mature football player, and I'm happy to see it. Gidry didn't play last week. But the, the weeks that he has played, we've seen a much more polished product. Yeah, he let a ball get off his hands against Kansas State that proved to be very costly. But this is a group that is beginning to mature. Many of us expected to have a, a good bowl team this year. I don't think any of us expected to go contend for the SEC West. But the bottom line is, is that we're right where we expected to be, maybe back a game. Because remember, when we filled out that media survey, people said, well, you know, there's, we always drop a game we shouldn't. You know, most of us picked us to be an 8-4 and four team and say, well, you know what, we always drop a game we shouldn't, so maybe we're a 7-5 and five team. You know what, I'm not happy with a 7-5 and five team. I don't look at that and say, you know what, this is success. This is wonderful. And I think that we can mature and grow to a point that we're not just happy going to a bowl game. You know, after what we endured in the 2000s, we were just happy to get back to a ball game. As you remember, when we went to Liberty Bowl in 07, we set the record because we were so happy to be back. It was our first bowl game since the Snow Bowl in 2000. And maybe we've gotten a little bit comfortable, and maybe times we take some of this for granted. But the truth of the matter is, is we hired Jim Moorhead to come in here to take the next step as a program because we had come a perennial bowl contender. Now we want to become a team that competes for something bigger. It is in New Year's Six Bowl games. We're not we're not looking to go back to Nashville every other year. And I love Nashville. It's a great trip. But we want to win big ball games. And in order to do that, I believe what we have to do is stay the course. I believe we've got to stick with Jim Moorhead. We've got to stick with Garrett Schrader. And even if we don't stick with Garrett Schrader this season, I think that that is something that can be settled for the foreseeable future. We can say, you know what? We've identified our guy. We know that the stage is not too big for him. We know what we're going to get from him. We know that he's going to work hard and get better, make everybody around him better. So that part of it is handled. Then I begin to look at how well we have recruited on the offensive line under Joe Moorhead. And I begin to think that, this, that was a bone of contention for many years. We bring Marcus Johnson in. A lot of people were against that because he's an old Miss guy. He has proven to do a great job here at Mississippi State. He's recruited at a very high level. And right now has uh, the top offensive line prospect in the state, Xavier Hill, uh, on campus last weekend. Could be another Charles Cross situation. And in the event that Mississippi State is able to eventually flip Xavier Hill to Mississippi State signing class away from Alabama, it will be because of Marcus Johnson. And so I begin to think about, okay, I feel good about our quarterback position going forward. And I look at the fact that we've got Charles Cross coming back and we've got some other guys that were recruited in uh, that we feel really good about. And so we've got that part of it kind of developed. We've got to address some needs at running back, and I believe we're doing that in this particular signing class. I think Dylan Johnson is one of the most underrated players that this state has produced in many years. Out of Greenville, St. Joe. You add Jaquarius Marks to the mix, Jaquarius Marks to the mix. I think you begin to look at this and say, okay, we're going to be good at running back. We are recruiting at a higher level at wide receiver. And some of that is going to come as the byproduct of us proving that we're going to throw the football. Some that we're not just going to use the receivers as downfield blockers, as devastating as they may be. They may be three-year letterman in high school at wide receiver. We want them to be varsity players here at Mississippi State. And that's kind of where we are. But when I begin to think about the foundation that's being laid here, as excited as I am about the remainder of this season, I think the better days are to come. We know that we can recruit defensive line. And we know that, we listen, we got some young guys out there now that you, know, you look at and say, well, you know, we're so green there. We're not going to be green next year. We're going to return. We're going to have a veteran group next year. We're going to have a talented group next year. We're going to have some issues at linebacker, but we're addressing those. 
then when you begin to think about those young corners, you look at Martin Emerson and Jerry and Jones, the, the way they're playing, the fact that you've got some uh, some big-time safeties that are coming up through the mix, and I still think Marcus Murphy's going to be a starter for Mississippi State as an upperclassman. That poor kid's been through a lot here in the last year and a half. The situation with his poor son and his mother dies. That's enough to that's enough for any man to carry, much less a young guy. But when I begin to look at these pieces, I begin to think to myself, you know what? I'm not going to get out of here and lose my religion over a ball game. When I realize that I am not pulling for a team or a season, I'm, I'm pulling for a program. And the foundation as we move forward is very solid. We have the building blocks to put together a very solid run here over the course of the next few years. You know, next year might be a transition year for us. This year may be a transition year for us. But the good thing is, and one of the things that I'll always be grateful to Dan Mullen for, is even in our transition years, we didn't have to bottom out. We didn't have to go 3-9. and nine. That even in the rebuilding years, we were still able to go to the Liberty Bowl or the Music City Bowl. We still found a way to get to the postseason. We still found a way to go buy tickets. And some of us have gotten spoiled with that. We've gotten spoiled with the fact that, you know what, we can always count on going to the bowl game. Wasn't always the case. I don't think it's anything we can ever take lightly. We should always appreciate those opportunities. And so when you ask me, you know, Steve, is Joe the guy? You know, I, I believe in Joe Moorhead. I really do. I know that's not a popular school of thought out here, but I think when you look at what happened in the Kentucky game and the fact that we go out there with a true freshman quarterback, and, and let's be honest, it should have been 35-3 in the third quarter. It should have been. It wasn't, but it should have been. You take away two plays. It's a 35-3 ball game, and the game is over. And those mistakes weren't on Joe Moorhead. They weren't on Andrew Briner. They were on Garrett Schrader. And those are the mistakes that you expect when you start a true freshman. Not to mention you're throwing him out there as a true freshman for his first start in a Southeastern Conference game, in a must-win ball game, coming off a tough loss the week before. And the kid stood up, played hard, and led us to victory. And that is something that I think all of us can get excited about. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way where we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.